0: Our scripture reading this morning is in Second Chronicles chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He answered him, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I remain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it unto the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones arrayed in their robes. And they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Shanaanah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. This is the word of the living God. Sin hath left the saying, He was in white as snow. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've washed our sin, Lord. If we know you, if we've trusted in you and claimed you, Lord, as Savior, you have done that for us, God, and we honor you today for that. Lord, we love you, we worship you, God, but we want to hear from you. And I pray that as we hear your word preached, God, that we would uh, hear you speaking to us. That you would show us, God, our sin. That you would draw us close to you. That you would um, walk among us, Lord, as we hear your word. Lord, we love you. We worship in your name alone. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Dave and team. Uh, As I'm getting started, I'm missing something, and I should have been more instructive about this was a random Mountain Dew bottle that I sat on the front of the stage. So if somebody grabbed the Mountain Dew bottle, if you'll find it, unless you threw it away. What, Dave? Yes, thank you. So I'll explain the random Mountain Dew bottle in a minute, or at the end of the sermon. Thank you very much. Random Mountain Dew bottle is back on the stage. I never said that should stay here, so that's on me want to say before I jump into the sermon I love technology uh, for many good things God has used it for and continues to use it for during times like this and one of the things is while we're uh, worshiping uh, Angie Milner is on our Facebook feed asking for prayer she starts radiation this week and I love how so many people are responding to her saying we've got you we're praying for you we've got you we're praying for you that's tremendous. I love that. At the end, while that's going on, my phone pops up, and uh, Cherdna Pastor over in Africa is sending me pictures from their worship service through WhatsApp, and uh, they have no electricity, but they charge their phones with solar power, and so I'm getting uh, pictures popping in. They're about five hours ahead of us, so uh, pictures uh, popping in, and yesterday, as the sandstorm was moving in, I felt like I was in Senegal. So that was kinda cool, um, but, uh, but it's neat. I love how technology works and how the Lord is, is, is on the move and working. And so this morning, that's what we're gonna talk about. It is a topic that some of you will be familiar with and others of you perhaps not. The sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign, that he is in charge. And so there are uh, different ways to define the sovereignty of God but when we look at a definition, a working definition, my simple working definition of the sovereignty of God is that he rules over the course of events of human history. God rules. And so, if you want to, you, you to, to bring it down to two words, the sovereignty of God simply says, God rules. And in this passage, and I'm going to say to you that I've read through this uh, as I've read through the Bible, but I I did not know what what lay in this passage and what was here until this week when I uh, began to prepare. And so this morning, we're going to see the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over all, but we're going to see specifically over three arenas of life. And we're going to discover how uh, how applicable 2 Chronicles 18, right, 800, 850 B.C., 2 Chronicles 18 is to our lives today. So let me set the scene for you. Uh, the scene is this, is that uh, uh, the uh, the King Jehoshaphat we learned about last week is a godly, wonderful king. He comes to the throne, he's got to set aside some things of Asa, his father, and he's got to plot his own course if he's going to do it well, and that he does. And he comes to the throne, and when he does, God blesses him tremendously, and by the end of last week, he's got 1.18 million, or almost 1.2 million soldiers, He's gone through cities. He did the first crusade, right? He he sent the temple staff through cities, and they taught the word of God. And we just looked at these characteristics of this godly ruler, Jehoshaphat. And then in verse, uh, chapter 18, we don't know how much time passes between 17 and 18. Uh, He had great riches and honor, and he did something he never should have done. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Now, I said last week, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. You've got Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Ahab is king of Israel. When you think Ahab, just think evil. He was a capitulating evil king. He had a wife that you may be more familiar with than him. Her name was Jezebel. And Jezebel was an awful woman. She was wicked. They raised a daughter that will show up maybe next week, Athaliah, who who took their wickedness to a whole new level. But this is uh, Ahab. And for some reason, though God has blessed Jehoshaphat as he has, in his mind he thinks, I need to make a political move here. And so he does, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, three years, we discover in, uh, in one of the kings, which uh, uh, goes along with the chronicles, after some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him, and for the people who were with him, and here's the word, induced him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. All right, so this morning we are going to learn that God is sovereign over the noise of the crowd. God is sovereign over the noise of the crowd. Ahab has a plan. Why go after Ramoth Gilead? Ramoth Gilead is along the trade route, the King's Highway, north-south. It was a place that people wanted because they could control trade. And so the, uh, uh, the, the Arameans uh, controlled it, and, and he wants to be done with that. So he induces Ahab, King Jehoshaphat, to go up with him. This word induce is not a positive word in Scripture. The word induce is used to describe people being induced into sin, right, being tricked into it, being lured into it. So the king is lured into this thing with Ahab. And Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. We looked at that word inquire last week. It's the same word as seek. It means to beat a path to God. Jehoshaphat said, Ahab, let's beat a path to God on this thing. Let's just not make a decision. Let's pray about it. Let's seek God on this. So what does Ahab do? He does his version of seeking God. We might call it rationalization. We may call it surrounding ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear. But he calls for his 400 prophets. His 400 prophets, they're seers. They come in. He asks them a question. They look at one another. They know by now tell Ahab what he wants to hear. And so they look at Ahab and they tell him what he wants to hear. Yeah, go up. You will defeat the enemy i to say something to you this morning, regardless of the circle that you're in. It is easy to find somebody to tell you what you want to hear. It is easy to find somebody who will tickle your ears, who will tell you things that you like to hear. It is easy to rationalize away your behavior, your sin, your attitude, your actions. That's easy. Just look. You'll find somebody who will agree with you. Well, Jehoshaphat isn't buying it. He says, Isn't there another prophet? Isn't there somebody else? Ahab's response, so honest. And he said, The king of Israel said to Joshua at verse 7 There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. I don't like him. Why? Because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. Isn't that interesting? I want somebody to say to me what I want to hear. Uh, So Jehoshaphat insists he sends an officer to go get Micaiah. While that officer is going to get Micaiah, you've got Zedekiah over here. Zedekiah is the chief of the 400 seers. He has some, uh, some horns made out of iron. He comes in with his object lesson. It is a big show. They're gathered at the gate of Samaria. That's where all the business took place, right? And so they're gathered at the gate of Samaria, and at the gate of Samaria, as they're gathered there jehoshaphat in his robes on his throne ahab in his robes on his throne zedekiah 400 behind him grabs the horns and clings them together and says hey you are going to defeat the arameans and guess what the other 399 say same thing Right? So we've got this chorus. We've got this thing going. Ahab is hearing. it's a wild frenzy. Everybody's saying, getting loads of likes on Facebook. A lot of them, right? Everybody's on board. One message, everybody's saying the same thing. So the officer goes to get Micaiah, and when he does, he tells to Micaiah, listen, when we go up there, Everybody's saying the king's got this. You say it too. Micaiah looks at him and says, as the Lord lives, I will only say what God tells me to say. And so he goes. How is it that Micaiah can do that? Micaiah recognizes as a true prophet of God, as a true servant of the Lord, that his words need not be measured by the popular Message is that he does not have to toe the party line. He realizes that his words must be the word of God. And so we live in a day where words have become way too powerful, where you must say certain things and you cannot say other things. And if you say certain things, that you should not say all of a sudden labels fly everywhere. So Micaiah comes, he stands before them. He is so sarcastic. Verse 14, and when he came to the king, the king said to him, this is Ahab, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle or shall I refrain? And he answered, this is sarcasm, go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. Like, I can imagine him going, go for it. Look at Ahab's response. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Ahab hates him, but he still wants to hear the truth. What a conflicted man. What a miserable guy. Tell me the truth. I'll hate you for it, but tell me the truth. This is how many teenagers live. It just is tell me the truth. I won't like you, but I want to hear the truth. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you trust the God of the universe to speak truth in a world full of lies and to let the chips fall where they may? Do you? Or do you think you must toe the party line? It is an unpopular message today, the gospel. Why is it so unpopular? Because the gospel says all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. All of us, that isn't a popular message today. Will we, you, preach that? God is sovereign over the noise of the crowd. You've got one, you've got 400, and Micaiah speaks truth. Number two, God is sovereign over the schemes of Satan. This next scene is unbelievable. And Micaiah said, verse 18, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. What does that mean? Hey, hey, Ahab, just in case you think your throne's high and mighty, let me take you to the high and mighty throne. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. Micaiah is about to give us a, a picture, a rare look into the war council of God. You will see this convened on more than one occasion in scripture where God convenes a council. He's got work to do and the Lord said who will entice Ahab the king of Israel that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead what God has already determined Ahab's end and one said one thing and one said another then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. Same word as induced before. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out, and I will be a lion spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Huh. Wow. When you gather in life groups this week, this is something to talk about. And he said, God, you are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Micaiah says, now, therefore, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. You say, Jerry, break this down for me. Glad you asked. Blew my mind when I read it. What in the world is happening? God, who sits on his throne in heaven, convenes a council to take out Ahab. That's what's happening. God does. Ahab, Jehoshaphat, plan your thing, do your deal. God is on his throne. He is sovereign over even the schemes of Satan. Why? Because a lying spirit, that would be a demon, shows up and says, Hey, give me the job. Who is this demon talking to? God Himself. The lying spirit says, I'll go into the mouths of of all of those prophets, how can a spirit do that? Because the spirit is a spirit. And God says, go do it. Now, some of you, if you're thinking a person says, okay, does this mean that God is the author of sin? No, it does not. It does mean this that Satan is on a leash, that the demons are on a leash, that they can do no more than God will allow. They, they can go no farther than God will, will, will allow them to go. And that should they be able to do his bidding, he will let them and even send them. I'm just afraid that these days we have too low a view of God. And we have too high a view of rhetoric, of politicians, of people. God is on his throne. He is unmoved by all that's happening. He's not worried. He's not wondering. No, he's worried. And so when all 400 prophets said the same thing in unison and yelled, it was a lion spirit that entered all of them simultaneously. Might there be lion spirits in our country today? Oh, yes. They're loud. They're loud. So what happens Zedekiah is standing there, right, iron horns in hand. He's he's taken the bait of the lion spirit. He comes over and smacks Micaiah through the face. Ahab orders Micaiah to be put in prison because he has spoken the truth. And so Micaiah goes carted off to prison. Micaiah, the ever sarcastic one, when I get to heaven, I just want to sit down and just hear sarcastic jokes from him. Because he looks at a seer, right? So, so Zedekiah is the seer, and he looks at the seer, and he says, which way did the Spirit of the Lord go for me to speak to you? And Micaiah, that's what Zedekiah says. And Micaiah said, behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. What is he saying? Hey, buddy, you're locking me up, but you are the one who are going to be looking through some bars come just a few days hence. When Ahab is no longer, all of a sudden, all of this is going to change, says Micaiah. And he goes off, having been smacked through the face. And the king of Israel said, seize Micaiah. And take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. I'm on verse 26. And say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, here, are all you peoples. Wow. Wow. God is sovereign over the noise of the crowd. We've got one voice. Over 400, God is sovereign over the schemes of Satan. He will use Satan to do his work if he chooses. But number three, God is sovereign over the sins of his own people. And for that, I am most grateful. Look what happened. So the king of Israel Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. Ahab says, hey, I'm not going to look like Ahab today. Why is Ahab doing that? Because he knows. He knows the truth. He knows they're coming after him. But Jehoshaphat, he's got to be the most gullible person on the planet. I mean, come on, man. Like, this is a come on man moment. Look at this. But you, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, verse uh, 29, wear your robes. (laughs) Meaning, they'll shoot you. And they'll think it's me. And Jehoshaphat's like, okay. I want to go, come on man, what are you thinking? This guy's an idiot. And you're taking the bait. That's what he does. And the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now, the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel, who gave him that idea. Huh. Oh, could it be that this ungodly king of Syria is also playing into the hand of an almighty God who has a plan that he is unfolding? You see, there's a grand meta narrative here. That there is a God who promised that there would one day be a Messiah, and that Messiah would come through the the line of David, and Jehoshaphat can trace his lineage all the way back to King David. If there's somebody God's going to take care of that day, it's Jehoshaphat. Because God has a plan and God is going to unfold his plan. Matters not who may be president, matters not who may be governor, matters not who may be ruling and reigning. There is is a god in the heavens and he will have his way satan may have his day but god will ultimately have his way amen he will ultimately have his way and that's what we see here what happens so as soon as the captains of the chariot saw jehoshaphat looking kingly they said it is the king of israel so they turned to fight against him and jehoshaphat cried out could i say something to you this morning You who are joining me online, you who will watch later, you who are watching in here, if you ever, not if, when you mess up, would you just cry out? Just immediately. I love this. Jehoshaphat loved his Lord. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to miss the mark. We're all going to fail. Cry out. Look at this. He cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. So lest you think that God is some clockmaker who made the universe and just stepped back and said, let it do its thing. Here is a God who is maneuvering the Syrians and said, "Mm, pull off. That's my boy. That's my boy. Pull off him. And he pulls them off. Oh, my goodness. And you thought God didn't care? For as soon as the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him, verse 32, verse 33. God is sovereign over the sins of his people. The sin of Jehoshaphat could not undo the plan of God. This ungodly alliance could not undo the plan of God. But a certain man drew his bow, you got to be kidding me, verse 33, at random. An anonymous soldier struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. I don't know loads about armor, but that's a tiny little opening for an anonymous soldier to strike a guy that doesn't look like Ahab. Satan may have his day, but God will have his way. Therefore Ahab said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. Then at sunset, he died. He died. If you want a more vivid description of this, go over to, I think, Second Kings, his blood spilled out and the dogs licked it up. He died. God pulled the Syrians off of Jehoshaphat. Why? So that he could pull one day Satan off of you. You see, there was his own son, who would have to die. Jehoshaphat would not die, but Jesus would. And God on that day would not pull the Roman soldiers off of him. He would not pull the crowd away. He would not stay them. he is sovereign over the sin of his own he allowed his son as a matter of fact Isaiah said he sent his son to die for you to hear the gospel to receive Christ to be born again he sent And it looked like Satan had had his way. But Satan, who does not know all things, he is not omniscient, nor is he omnipresent, nor is he omnipotent, thought he had had his way. But Satan had only had his day. Because as the old preacher says, it may be Friday. But Sunday was coming, and on that Friday when the clouds went dark, and when the sun hid itself, and when the Father turned his back away, on that Friday when Jesus went down into the tomb, that borrowed tomb, Sunday was on its way. Sunday was coming. Satan thought he had had his way, but he had only had his day. Sunday was coming, and when Sunday came, early in the morning, Jesus came forth out of that tomb. The angels came and rolled the stone away, and we celebrate. Whether or not we did it at home, Easter this year, or wherever we did it, it did not diminish the fact that Jesus who died rose again, and that Jesus who died and rose again lives today, reigns today, and is in charge. Satan may have his day, but God will have his way. So, Mountain Dew bottle. I'm sorry for everybody who touched this, you shouldn't have, all right? So we'll say that. So I'm not sure who, but for some reason, once my we care sign went up into my yard, weekly, maybe twice a week, I think somebody tries to hit it with a Mountain Dew bottle. You guys know I'm a bit OCD about my yard, and so I look out, First morning, and see, never has a lid on it. So if you're watching, um, never has a lid on it. I think you're trying to hit the we care sign because it's close uh, to it. So if you get it, send me a video because I'd like to see if you really hit the sign. But this gets thrown once, maybe twice a week. So at first it made me mad. And then the Lord said, Jerry, somebody threw that. That's a real person who needs me. So if you're watching and you are throwing this into my yard, please know that your ears ought to be burning because I pray for you every time I see it. I pray that God will hunt you down and that he will bring you to himself. I pray that you will come to know Christ. I'm assuming you're not a Christian, and if you are, I pray that God will beat the hound out of you. But if you aren't, that's my assumption. I'm praying for you, and I've come, though I do not know you, I'm not lying to love you, because I pray for you at least twice a week now as your Mountain Dew bottle makes it into my yard. And I just want you to know that I think the sovereign God of the universe is in charge. And he knew that you would throw this into my yard. Now, disclaimer, if there are others watching and you need prayer, just message me. (laughs) Don't throw stuff in my yard. I'll pray for you, a simple message, and I'll pray, I promise. But for whoever's doing this. I see this yesterday morning, maybe Tuesday this week, always in the middle of the night because it's there in the morning, which is when I pray and have my coffee. And so now I look out the window to see if it's there. And if other of you hoodlums, like B.G. Gillum or somebody, tries to play a joke on me and throw more, I will embarrass you publicly. Um, but I'm just going to say, I just think God's in charge of it. I really do. And I wonder this, and I ain't lying, when I get to heaven, if through a feeble prayer, God has arrested you and brought you to himself. You see, last Sunday, I had left. I go next door to watch the service all over in its entirety and to answer your comments. And last Sunday, Somebody said, did you see Jared Dula? No. Jared, you may be watching this morning. Jared, years ago, came to uh, our after-school program. And when he came, we tutored him. and I don't know who was leading. I'm assuming Linda Green was leading that program then. But Jared Dula stopped by to say, I just gave my life to Jesus and your church. a key role. Thank you. God is sovereign. He is at work. It's evidence right here. Lord, thank you that you're sovereign over the sins of your people, over the noise of the crowd, and even over the schemes of Satan. Forgive us for thinking too little of you,